Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Outkick 360 rolls on Friday edition. Chad Withrow and his Red Sox victorious last night. That's a big headline. Are you locally. telling these girls a little bit about the background of this and how you don't want them to catch that? Catch what? The Red Sox thing. I mean, you're a Braves fan. You don't want them to be Red Sox in their heart. You don't want them to oh, I don't adopt care. this. I mean, I, they're, yeah, I, I don't really know. I'd be lecturing that e- every Evie, day. Evie will right? watch more Braves during than the bunting, else, so. During the bunting part of practice. But teams change so much. We don't, we don't get to keep the same team like you did the whole time through. So... Evie was a Yankee in the fall. She's been a Red, an A, a Yankee, and a Red Sox, and she's six already. So she's going to be a different team every time. So it's up to her. Uh, which we one always had to. Uh, we always had like a team sponsor. We didn't have like MLB or NBA uh, names. So when we grew up, like, gas station. When we grew up, Hutton, we had the the. Uh, the I grew up played in the same league, Mount Joy Little League, but we had major league team names with a, a sponsor up top on the hat. So oh, it'd see, be like Cedar Creek Sports Center yeah. Padres. I mean, I and the jersey would that would have be been Padres. way cooler. I had Arby's written across my chest. Yeah, that's that's too much. I, I like the uh, the non-sponsored <laughs> we were major non, league baseball deal. We were like team names, but not baseball team names. Because we, if we uh, had Yankees and Mets, there would have been like fights for people to be the Yankees and the Mets. We're not supposed to be keeping team. score right now. There's no scoreboard. Right, but you but keep, you a, keep a book. The home oh, team has you. to keep book. So well, keep it I'm keeping the Red score, Sox are keeping and we score. know it. In fact, my post-game talk, I should send you guys. In fact, I'll send um, – maybe I should get permission from the parents or something. I don't know the legalities of all this. There's a good picture of me knelt down talking to the entire team around me, and I told them, I said, girls, you listen well. You had fun. I really appreciate everybody's effort. Kick and I know, I know that winning isn't the most important thing at this age. But I will tell you, you girls won big tonight. <laughs> And all the parents behind me were like, I mean, it's pretty important. It's actually pretty important. And they were all like, so excited. They, I mean, they didn't really know. I'm like, you, just so you know, just so you know, you won big tonight. Won by double-digit runs, in fact. Go get I ice cream. I love that. So, so did, did, it was does, big. Does Evie know the score? Evie asked me to score every half inning. None of the other girls asked me to score. Evie takes that from her father. Uh, she wants to know the score at all times. She also comes up and asks me how many outs they're in the inning. When she's at bat, or how many strikes? You, you know, tell I'm, her she's allowed to count for herself. Yeah, well, that's the next step. You know, they're too busy battling with their bats in the the dugout to keep up with the outs in the inning. Bobby Carpenter joins us in 15 minutes. Uh, Deshaun Watson spoke with the media today. Uh, the Haslam ownership uh, had a Zoom from I don't know where they are, but they're outside of the country. Luxembourg. Let's Luxembourg. call it Luxembourg. Okay, we'll we'll go I'm with that. I'm making that up. Yeah, um, outside of the country, but. Uh, NFL owner meetings take place next week, early next week. So, I mean, they would be represented there in Florida, and uh, PK will be there uh, as well as Armando Salguero of Outkick. 
boots on the ground there with full coverage. Um, we look forward to that. But the the big takeaway, guys, is he again says he's completely innocent of all these charges, and the Browns and Ben Watson sat there and answered questions from local and national media to the point where you watched it or listened to it or looked back on it and you think this was from from a PR perspective, I think he actually did well in what I thought was going to be a very difficult situation for him to face. I don't know how you guys thought about it like going into it, but considering we're, we're going to break down every single word the guy said, I thought he did well. Well, he's been consistent. I mean, he, he has maintained and said that he is innocent of these charges, and he didn't do these things throughout, and he hasn't really tripped up. It's also on anything, right? Also, I mean, he's, I, well, yeah, and he's been consistent. Also, throughout. interesting that he answered questions. I mean, consider throughout this entire process, he hasn't been made available. Um, it, when you're facing charges, a lot of times, if you're going to speak, an attorney's present, and whenever he is deposed, he pleads the fifth. So he asked, he actually answered questions directly here for the first time ever. Publicly. You know what I what yeah. really was striking to me, Hutton and watching this? So I'm glad you brought that up about attorneys present. Here's a guy facing twenty two civil suits, twenty two accusers in an enormous civil suit. He survived two grand juries. He did not have an attorney present answering questions for him at a press conference. And Brian Flores has two attorneys in every interview that he does, and he's the accuser. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like I, I I found that interesting. I'm watching real sports in every interview. And Brian Flores has his two attorneys bracketing him every time he speaks. Yet Deshaun Watson went up there without his attorney, which surprised me a bit. I thought there might be someone there with him. He did a good job of sidestepping when he needed to and saying something like, some of this I can't get into right. because it's of a legal matter, but social media, and here's why I contacted you know, 40 different I don't different doubt Masuses. for a second, though, that he was prepped. I mean, oh, of course, course. absolutely, super, super prepped, and he's had a lot of time. Well, that's what I'm saying. Prepped. He was prepped because there were things he would say because of legal reasons. I can't get into it. Yeah. Sweet 16 uh, last night, we saw two top teams fall. Duke moves on though. Uh, Gonzaga and Arizona out, and meanwhile tonight, some solid matchups between Kansas and Providence. UCLA UNC is fascinating, but between the two teams. 17 national titles, 39 Final Fours, and two teams that are red hot right now. UNC's playing great basketball, uh, playing with house money at this point as an eight seed. UCLA went to the Final Four a year ago. They have a chance to, to go back with two more wins. And Miami, uh, Iowa State, while I think on paper you look at it and you gloss over, I'm intrigued by this because of the run that both of these teams have been on, they can be last year's Houston or last year's UCLA. UCLA was an 11 seed a year ago. And here it is, Miami and Iowa State, which would be a huge shocker for them to pull off two more wins. But one of them's getting one win tonight in an elimination match between uh, both Miami and Iowa State. The other one, Purdue and St. Peter's, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but um, I'm intrigued to see if, if St. Peter's can continue the hot hand uh, they average around 66 possessions per game, which is below the national average. And when I think about how Purdue plays, 7-4 uh, in the paint, and on top of that, one of the best players remaining in the tournament uh, at one of their guard positions, it's hard for me to see how 
St. Peter's limits possessions to that extent tonight. I'd love Purdue. to see it, but I don't expect it. Iowa State's got a great defense. Auburn had a pretty good defense, and it had no answers for, for Miami, particularly the, play, the playmaking guards. So I would think advantage Miami, but I think Iowa State's the one team everybody uh, outside of St. Peter's, who's a Cinderella. Iowa State's the one team that everybody's just disregarding entirely. So I wonder how they do with that chip on their shoulder. Um, I am. Uh, I've got a big interest in that Purdue St. Peter's game because it's closing out a parlay for me. Uh, I need the Boilermakers big <laughs> in that game. So my wallet will be rooting for Purdue to cover twelve and a half against St. Peter's tonight as the last end of that. Uh, I think St. Peter's Cinderella run ends. It's been a great story. Third ever 15 seed to make it this far, Florida Gulf Coast. And then a year ago, it was Oral Roberts in this spot. Um, I think being close to home, you know, playing in Philly probably helps for St. Peter's. But uh, I I really like Purdue in this game. And Hutton, if you will amuse me for a second, Mm -hmm. every now and again, something pisses me off for greatness in a chat that I'm, I'm looking at during the show. By the way, you can, you can chat with Chad in the YouTube uh, feed right now. So there's a lot of talk because we're playing our interview, my interview uh, with Nico Iamaleava. Excuse me, got it right the second time. Uh, the Tennessee signee, and a lot of people are you know, wanting to point out, well, what's it like to be 18 and be worth $8 million? You know, how about that? How about an 18-year-old? How is that right for an 18-year-old to get this? I'm not going to argue the morality of that whatever. But have you ever heard of Kevin Garnett or Kobe Bryant (laughs) or Taylor Swift or Macaulay Culkin's parents when he was nine years old being millionaires because of their work? This is not a new thing. (laughs) There are many, many children who've made millions for their talents. Actors, musicians. Down the list. I mean, child, uh, Macaulay, again, would you prefer the kid get it or the kid's parents like Macaulay Culkin who took all of his money? Or the Backstreet Boys manager when they were teenagers took all their money. Like, this is not pay for talent is not a new concept in the American economic construct. I'm amazed by the amount of people, and it's Bama fans that are really saying this more (laughs) than anything else. Your coach talked about Bryce Young making seven figures in NIL as a 19-year-old. Is it better if they're 19 and not 18 when he was the quarterback at Alabama? This... Either get on board or not. I don't care. This is the reality of it. Trey Wallace interviewed Josh Heupel for an SEC sit-down. You could see that at outkick.com right now and asked about NIL. And uh, I, I want to see the exact quote, but it was something like, we're completely on board. We're all in with NIL. And Why you- is he saying that? Because that's what's going to get the top players that Tennessee and others well, because, want. If well, you're against you it, you're not getting them. Yeah. No, we've com- that's what he said, Hutton was we've completely embraced it. Yes, at Tennessee, we've embraced the fanaticism of the fan base, and that we have donors with money, and that we can get things going. That is what every major program you should have that approach. If the fans hate it, and trust me, there's a part of me that hates it that high school kids are making that much money now or being promised that much money when they get to campus before doing anything in college. I understand the pitfalls of this, but also believe me when I tell you, you would much rather have that five-star quarterback than not. You'd much rather get that five-star edge rusher than not. You'd much rather have that six-foot-four former five-star receiver transferred to your program than not. And also, Ask Lane Kiffin about it. 
He don't want to get outbid by A&M and Tennessee and others. He wants to stay in the game. And also, this is on, quote unquote on the level now. Uh, this isn't a back back room dealing and and with the Cadillac or McDonald's bags or whatever the jokes or realities were. At least right now, it's it's up front. So you don't have to feel bad and guilty about it because it's not shady anymore, right? Well, and that's what Kiffin said, Paul, to your point. He said, this is something that was handled with $100 handshakes and backroom deals and donors that you knew were, uh, uh, would give money under the table to guys. Now at least people are up front about it. And it, there's something about Lane Kiffin I respect, and I, I'll say this about him. Um, I think there are some phony coaches out there. I think there are some legit coaches that really did get into it because they want to impact young lives positively. And there are guys that are genuine about that in coaching. Lane Kiffin is not one of those guys, and he's not pretending to be one of those guys. That dude loves ball, and he wants to coach a successful football team. He is not there to raise great gentlemen and put you into life being a great whatever. He wants to win football games. He wants to help you become a better football player and in turn help his football team because he loves football. He loves scheming and game planning and getting ready for a football game and calling plays, and he makes no bones about it. So when he talks about NIL and, hey, I'm glad these kids can get money now, you know, and it's, it's above board, uh, not, no problem with that, and he calls out Jimbo Fisher for calling him a clown for pointing that out, part of me respects that about Lane Kiffin. At least he's being true to who he is. Well, And he's not putting on some front that he's trying to do more than that. Well, There's the, some phoniness to him, too, somehow. How I, so? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have it nailed down, but the way he carries himself, there's something about him. It, if he carried himself like Dabo, I would say there's a phoniness to him. And I'm not saying Dabo's a complete phony. I don't, disagree, I think he buys with you. I don't disagree with your assessment of him, but somehow still there's something phony about him in those vacant eyes. Well... <laughs> I think the vacant eyes, that's who he is. Like, he just does not care. Doesn't get his feelings hurt. Um, I don't know if you saw the, the back and forth recently with Kiffin, but I was dying laughing. He was playing Morgan Wallen at practice, and he said something about it's a Morgan Wallen day at practice, and Morgan Wallen retweeted and said, happy to have you come be offensive coordinator for the greatest offensive coach in the SEC at Tennessee because Morgan Wallen's a Tennessee fan. Nice. Basically, stop playing my music at Old Miss – and Kiffin retweeted Morgan Wallen and said, done deal if you promise no golf balls being thrown at me. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty and then he put hashtag back where I come from <laughs> about Tennessee. Oh, that's awesome. Which is, Very I mean, good. Tennessee fans are going to get mad about it, but it's great, especially in the offseason. That's a good back and forth. Well, but with, with Kiffin, um, I mean, uh, Chad, you're right. If, if, he, if you want to be the coach that embraces, oh, we're here because of the student athlete, those dudes don't keep their job very long. They'll be fired. Uh, and in, well, the in, ones that do it and win and keep so, their job. Yeah, but you can't just base you can't base your coaching resume on that. You can't hang your hat on that. You're not for long. You have to you have to do exactly what Josh Heupel's doing, which is buy into this. Because if you don't, you're either a bottom feeder, where you've got Vanderbilt dragging their feet on NIL, refusing to jump in. And because of that, they're again getting past. You know, they're they're watching everyone ahead of them instead of gaining any type of ground. That's just the harsh reality of where we are in college sports. That's not just football related either. Um, I'm interested to see how things move and progress with Tennessee hoops because Rick Barnes isn't really buying in to NIL. No, Rick Barnes is one of the guys I'm talking about. Not a phony and very much in it to shape 
young lives and mold young people. Now, easier Rick, to do a Rick Barnes is a competitor too, and he wants to win. Obviously, and he's done a lot of that in his career. So he's going for the best players. And don't mistake this as me saying coaches are out there just trying to get the worst possible kids imaginable to come to their program no, because no. they want to win games. They want a balance of both. Um, but I, there's something about me that respects the Lane Kiffins of the world for being true to who they are, regardless of who that is. Well, and for Lane Ki- and for Kiffin, I'm surprised. I just love ball and I want to coach winners. I'm surprised of how many fans now that this is out in the open, have issue with it when, again, it's just out in the open. This has been going on behind the scenes for as long as I can remember. I, you just I, have to be careful about how you do it and yes. not get caught. I, I have... And now you don't. There's going to be unintended well, consequences for this um, with certain teams, and we're going to see the effect of that. It could be two, three years down the road before we know everything, yeah. the full impact of it. But the people who are most angry about this are the people who will never win in this environment. Because either their boosters don't want to get involved with it, or deep down they know they're not going to do it. I'll give you an example. Because you mentioned Vanderbilt. Scottie Pippen Jr. is a second-round pick at best, from what I've seen. But everyone has him leaving to go to the NBA draft. I don't know that Scottie Pippen Jr. could come back and improve his draft stock because he's not going to grow anymore. So it may be wise to go ahead and go pro now. But he is a great college basketball player. And he is Vanderbilt's only chance, I believe, at the NCAA tournament a year from now. And they got a great shot at it if he comes back. You think Vandy boosters could put together a million and a half a year for him well, let me to add- come back for one year and say you're going to make more than you would in the G League think or they- overseas right now to come back and play think for they us? they could, yes. Think they will? No. Well, let me, let me broaden it. What's keeping Tennessee from doing that? With Kennedy Chandler? No, with, no, with Scotty Pippen, Pippen Jr. He can transfer oh. anywhere he wants to. Uh, that's, a, that's a good point. Any, any school in America can approach him and say, hey, instead of doing this, Pop we're going to pay you this, and we're going to develop you. To, you're going to be a lottery pick next year if you come here. Well, and there are programs that are doing that. I mean, I guarantee you Kentucky is doing that with their transfers. Oh, yeah. That they're bringing in. But you see my point. Uh, like, uh, right it, here it, in Nashville, it, Will Richard's a great example. It. Great players, a freshman at Belmont. Is going to be a, could be an all time great at Belmont, based on his freshman year, and, but this rarely happens at Belmont. Guess what he does after one year? I'm transfer in the transfer portal. portal. Yep. And some SEC school could pay for him. Oh, hi. right now. No, no. Play you're for absolutely right, though. And Tennessee at, might at, be the school. It's Who way knows? more beneficial for Pippen because beyond draft day, when he gets a moment in the second round on TV, he disappears and goes to the G League. And if he's playing a season at a good school. He's on TV. His name's still out there. He's collecting roughly the same money as that G League contract. He's going to the tournament. And he's going to the tournament. And then his draft day, he's got a first-round slot conceivably. And his visibility's way up. Uh, also uh, visibility with Bobby Carpenter, who's about to join us. He's he, very he has sent me a text. He wants to chime in on this conversation oh, that we're good. having. So I we will do that. I can't wait to hear his out. opinion on it. We'll, we'll get his opinion and take on Deshaun Watson's presser today that took place in uh, his great state of Ohio. We've got that and more straight ahead. Bobby Carpenter next from OutKick on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Bobby Carpenter joins us from Outkick.com each and every Friday at this time, and we talk football headlines. Plenty to get to, and Bobby was listening in, watching from uh, Ohio as we had our discussion here about NIL and all the payments, and now that's out in the open, the public perception of everything. Bobby, hope you're doing well, man. What, what, did, you, uh, what did you think as you heard our conversation there about uh, the five-star, the, the, what, what spurred this is the five-star quarterback that is uh, now a Tennessee volunteer commitment. You know, there, there's a lot of tentacles to it. You guys went a lot of different places. And uh, number one, I want to start with Lane Kiffin because, you know, he's everybody's favorite. He's great content. If you work in the media, you love Lane Kiffin yeah. because of all the great things that he ultimately gives you. And part of that is, Hutton, is because he understands, like, he's an old Miss. Like, if he's not stirring the pot, Who's really talking about him? And so he always has to get in there, throw some shade, make sure that he's getting in the topic of conversation. And I appreciate that about him. He does so in a very ho-hum way. And then you kind of branched over to the element of, you know, how you're going to sit here and develop young men and some coaches, you know, choose to, they don't, they don't want to embrace the NIL. And, and I don't, I've never really understood that. And I think it's because, they act like there's two things that they can't coexist. Like you can want to develop young people and want to bring in young men that are 17, 18 years old into your program and watch them ultimately, you know, become more productive members of society, become better, you know, hopefully fathers one day, uh, better husbands, all of these different things, tax paying members of society when they graduated and can do some things and, and help elevate, you know, the people around them. And you can do that. And then also say, Hey, there's an opportunity for you to ultimately raise your stock here, raise your social awareness. And then in doing that, you'll make a little cash with it and do so doing so in an above board manner, given, you know, the, the lack of restrictions now. So like those two things, like I've never understood that where people are like, well, I'm not going to be a part of it. It's professionalization. Well, I'm not a huge fan of like enticing people to come somewhere because of that for recruiting. But as far as like, if a guy goes and plays great in the NCAA tournament and really their ceiling, as you guys were talking about, you know, Scotty Pippen's son, you know, is his ceiling, you know, probably maybe a European player. You know what? You stay an extra year, maybe you transfer from Vanderbilt to Tennessee. Maybe you go somewhere else and you don't need to go make a million and a half, but Hey, if you can make a half million dollars a year, you know, and, and then you get to the NCAA tournament, you blow up, you blow up your brand. And in doing that, it offers more opportunity. And then, you know, you're able to monetize that. And then you can go have a nice career in Europe. And maybe you can grind your way to the NBA. But I think it's a way for guys who are just really good college players. Because we like diminish that now. Everybody needs to be a great pro. And, you know, I throw Tim Tebow out there as an example. Tim Tebow was just a great college football player. It wasn't a great pro. It happens a lot in basketball where there's guys that are just really good in college and their game doesn't necessarily translate. And they should be able to kind of monetize that for a little bit and be able to get a leg up in life. And, and so I don't think that saying, hey, you know, trying to take some dollars here and, and utilize your brand, that, that, that's not mutually exclusive 
from also trying to develop you know, young people. Well, and Bobby, how much of this is about power? You know, the power dynamic may shift a little bit when there's a freshman that's going to make $2 million a year uh, when they get there. And, and some coaches aren't comfortable with that. They aren't secure enough with that. If you're, the, if you're Ryan Day and you're the head football coach at Ohio State, for example, there's enough players and money to go around where you're not going to feel threatened by some guys making a lot of money in NIL. But if you're the upstart coach at name the Power 5 program in basketball that hasn't had a lot of success, and you get one guy that you're riding all your success on, and he's making $1.5 million that year, and he's unhappy, well, that coach is going to be unhappy with NIL payments because it diminishes his role and how he can discipline that guy. I think ultimately a lot of this comes down to power uh, on either side and how much power you have within your program based on either your reputation or your program's reputation. Chaz, it's a great point that you make. Uh, people feel threatened, you know, whether, like you said, it's monetarily, whether it's, you know, it's a power structure thing. And you know, when you start to upset the apple cart, some people don't really enjoy it. I've come to find in my life that most people that are in you know, positions of authority that really feel threatened with this, whether it's you know, a coach or any other administrative position, that really feel threatened when someone you know, was able to kind of monetize or develop some sort of power structure based upon their own talents. Those are the ones who are really, they lack the confidence in what they ultimately do. The best coaches I've ever been around, and the players can smell it. Guys, make no mistake about it. Got players now are smarter than they've ever been. They've been around more coaches than they've ever been. And if you can help me get better and ultimately earn more and develop me for now and later in life, most players will really respect that and they'll embrace it. And so they'll take a little tough love. If they know you're in their corner and you're going to give them your best and you're doing that for them. And I know it sounds kind of corny, but I'm telling you, the best coaches that I've ever been around, they coach guys really hard. But they do so. Like you, we talk, you know, you see Tom Izzo and Mike Shashevsky, you know, some of these guys. You think Nick Saban, like you think Nick Saban softballs his players and it's like doesn't give them the honest truth. Like, I'm gonna coach you hard, but I'm coaching you hard because I'm gonna develop you. I'm gonna tell you what you're doing right, I'm gonna tell you what you're doing wrong. Go make go be as good as you can, make as much money as you can. I will help facilitate all of those things. But if you want to come here to get a shoulder rub then that's not going to be the case. And I know that he's well-established and you know, might go down as the greatest college football coach you know, in history. But it's no different than a guy like a Luke Fickle who was at Cincinnati. You know, When you have a guy like Sauce Gardner who you know, could have probably left last year. He could have probably transferred to an Alabama or went to a bigger school. And it's like, hey, I'm going to stay here because you guys have been honest with me. You've been truthful with me. You're really good at coaching and developing me. And you're going to do the very best on my behalf. And I trust and I believe in you. And guys smell that, man. They can see it. Because if there's a lack of authenticity, they're out of there. They won't believe you. And when you see guys transfer a lot and bounce around, sometimes it's due to the character of the kid. But then the other part of that is a lot of times they're dealing with the coach that's insecure, who maybe isn't giving them the same value proposition as far as investing into the player as you're going to see at other places. Bobby Carpenter played at Ohio State. He played for the Dallas Cowboys. Now he's with OutKick, providing football analysis for OutKick.com. Ohio State Pro Day is an annual event that's going to bring out GMs and head coaches beyond scouts. How smart of C.J. Stroud to be the guy throwing the passes to these big-name receivers? And do you think it maybe starts a trend where underclass quarterbacks are going to be on the radar in a year 
say, hey, I might as well be the guy out there throwing the passes. Yeah, I, I don't know why they wouldn't want to. And, and so there was a time, gentlemen, then this was back when I was in school, and I think they changed it a year or two after I left, where you could go run, like, at Ohio State, they, we were allowed to run 40s as rising juniors. And so, you know, we had our winter workouts, and they let us take, like, the last two winter workouts off and just work with a strength coach. If you were one of the starters and you wanted to go out there as a, as a rising senior as a current junior and go run a 40 and like, just put it out there. And if you felt good about it, and you know, all that does is it just kind of chums the water. If you've got pretty good film, all of a sudden, Hey, this guy, you know, he was a linebacker. He ran a high four, five, low four, six, like big kid. Let's, let's look at him. He's got some great speed. And so when we're watching him on film, we, we understand that. And then they did away with that for a long time. And finally, the NCAA is starting to come to their senses. Like, Hey, let these guys go out there and work out. We have a restriction and they can't go to the NFL until they're three years out of high school. And so CJ Stroud comes in. You've got two receivers and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson who are going to be, you know, potential first round picks. Throw the ball to them and let all these guys see you. And so they have that positive image in your, their mind when they're watching you in person. And then when they go to grade your tape next year, they're already feeling pretty good and feel much more comfortable about you. I mean, I would encourage Bryce Young, all these guys, like, if you have the receivers to do it, and there's going to be a lot of scouts and owners and GMs and head coaches, whoever the heck's going to be there. Like, dude, go do as much as you can if you're confident in your ability because that's only going to help you moving forward because it's a controlled environment. It's not like game tape. The coaches are setting you up for success. You know the routes. It's climate controlled. There's no rain. There's no wind. There's no crowd. There's no third down rush and all this stuff. And so it's great. And so you can go out there and throw, and they can really see – all the physical abilities that you possess. A lot of NFL quarterbacks out there to talk about. I was interested to see, and I think we've probably concentrated a lot on ceilings. I was interested to see that as Matt Ryan landed in Indianapolis, you were talking not about a ceiling, but about a high floor. Talk us through what you see for his potential in Indianapolis. Well, all you guys have to understand, and, you know, Titans reside in the AFC South. You know, it's amazing how, you know, it worked out where both the Chargers and the Raiders could have got in. You know, I believe Pittsburgh ended up getting in based upon, you know, what happened. because All because the Colts, who were, I believe, a 14- or 16-point favorite, lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars in the 17th game of the season. Carson Wentz went out there and threw three interceptions. If he just plays an average game, they win. They probably win by seven points. Maybe they don't cover the number, but they're going to the playoffs. And so oftentimes we talk about, hey, how great can this guy ultimately be? When you have a good team and a really solid roster, like Bill Parcells, I reference him all the time because the guy's like, the, he's the godfather of coaching. When you look at all the guys he's had out in the NFL and you know players that have become coaches and coaches that have gone to become head coaches and everything else, his thing was like, I don't want any yo-yos. Like Carson Wentz, he's a yo-yo. He can give you Pro Bowl caliber play one week, and then the next week he's going to give you play that you're wondering why the heck we have this guy even on our roster. And so when you sit there and look at Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan has never been the most elite, talented quarterback you're going to find. There's guys who've had bigger arms. They move better. We're also talking about a guy who's won an MVP, who had a team up 28-3 to in the Super Bowl, against Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. And while he may not have that like elite ceiling that you know some other guys do, and he may not even have his elite skills that he used to have, he's not going to lose you any games. 
He's going to keep you in all of them. He'll always make the smart play. And when you're Indy and you have one of the top five defenses in the NFL, you have Jonathan Taylor. They've got, you know, some, they got Pittman, Paris Campbell needs to stay healthy. They have a good offensive line. Add to that receiving core. Like you're checking a lot of boxes. And I think Frank Reich's a pretty good coach. And so just don't go out there and just have an, a classic meltdown. If you do that and you're the Indianapolis Colts, you're most likely going to win 11 or 12 games just based on the fact that Jacksonville and Houston are really bad. Maybe a split with Tennessee. And what else can you do to, to kind of scrape together your know, six more wins? Like it's not the hardest formula in the world, but everybody really wants to make it incredibly difficult. Bobby Carpenter, our guest on Outkick 360. Uh, Bobby, there in Ohio, your, your thoughts on the introductory press conference with Deshaun Watson and the Browns today? Gosh, you know, it, it's tough because like they, they tried to, they did the picture. I was curious at what they were going to do because usually introductory press conferences for big signings or trades, I mean, it's, you know, it, it, you got the, the, you know, the band playing, everybody's fired up, you know, ticker tape parade, everybody's going. But you know, you, you did the jersey signing, you did a smile, and there's so many other things kind of that are surrounding this. It would almost kind of been better if you had maybe Deshaun Watson just come out and answer questions, you know, for an hour on his own. And I was kind of glad, you know, that the Haslam's they did their own thing because you have to think about this, gentlemen. You're not only talking about you know him coming in having a unprecedented NFL contract, gave up massive compensation for him. You know, by the way, there were just two grand juries that were uh, sat to hear cases against him. Now, both of them failed to indict and bring charges. So it's like, it's, it's a good thing. But there's still 22 civil cases pending against him you know, for very serious accusations. And so you put all that together and that's about him. Now, all of a sudden, you still have, if you're, you know, uh, Barry, if you're Stefanski, head coach and GM, you're going to be sitting there. And there may be questions that are lobbed at you about Baker Mayfield, who was your number one overall pick, who is still on the roster. And so it just felt like there was so much to get done and talk about. Like, maybe you should have just had him come out there, answer some questions about the legal process. I don't know. Maybe you do another presser in, in a couple of weeks. I thought he handled it pretty well. I mean, given the fact that, you know, that's a situation man, where the walls, I mean, they're, they're closing in on you. The, all eyes are on you. People are waiting for you to misspeak. I thought Deshaun spoke with some conviction, you know, in the, in America and in, in our court legal system, we have the presumption of innocence until proven guilty. That's not the court of public opinion. And the NFL has done a tremendous job in the last decade and a half of broadening their consumer base to try to pull women in, you know, breast cancer awareness month and football is family and all these different campaigns that they've had. And so understanding that there is going to be some women that look at this and men as well. They're like, okay, he's got some serious accusations levied against him. You know, I thought he answered them as honestly as he probably could have, at least honestly, as, as he saw it, he seemed believable to me. I, I've, I've met Deshaun when he was younger, when he was coming out of college, I got to interview him at the touchdown club of Columbus bank, but I, I thought he was a very well-respected young man. You know, I, I can't weigh in on what happened. But given, honestly, everything that was swirling around, I, I honestly think it was best case scenario for both him and the Browns because you could have seen this thing really getting off the rails should he stumbled over one of the questions or really, really failed to answer like a tough follow-up. Yeah, and then we, we discussed, the three of us here earlier this week, like we've heard from Tyreek Hill already. You know, you start going through, we've heard from Matt Ryan and Indy 
where's Deshaun Watson? Are they going to make him available? And they did. Um, and I, I was one didn't think it was going to happen anytime soon, given all the, the legal matters going on behind the scenes. But, and the fact that he's going to have to sit up there and answer the questions from the media that's been waiting over a year to pepper him with some of the specifics of this ball. The guy he's replacing now, Baker Mayfield, took one for the team during the season and played through a bum shoulder, which is generally viewed as an honorable thing. Did he screw himself? Because uh, it, had he been healthy earlier, maybe he would have been in a better position to get somewhere sooner. You know, and, that, and that's a very interesting point. I kind of dove into that a little bit as I, I was looking at this. And, and here, here's one of the things, you know, being from the state of Ohio and I played in Detroit, but you've got like Buffalo and Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Detroit, Green Bay, you know, like a lot of these Cincinnati to a certain extent, a little bit like the, the, the Great Lakes region, like a lot of these teams, you know, their, their fan bases in the city, like the infrastructure and the has been kind of decimated by the economy over the last 40 years. And so like they're tough, grizzled people. And so they want their ball players, regardless of sport to kind of embrace that toughness. They don't want dudes that are soft, you know, they don't go up there and compete, you know, they're this or that. And so I, you know, Baker, I think that kind of aligned with his personality. I think he kind of wanted to embrace the city of Cleveland. And you know, I'm one of you. I'm tough. I'm going to go out here and play hurt. I know that you know, some of you have lost your jobs and you know, you're working in steel mills. And you're doing this and that. Like, I'm going to embrace that. I'm going to be, you know, one of the people up here. You know, the problem is sometimes you got to protect players from themselves. And, you know, I know he was cleared to medically play. There's a lot of times like you could be clear to do something and still not be great at it. It's just a really a risk of like, are you going to do further harm to it? And so I think he went out there, he was trying to prove that, and he's got a big ego, a big bravado, and that's what's kind of made him what he is. That's why he was able to, you know, walk on at Texas Tech, transfer to Oklahoma, win a Heisman, all these different things, you know, because it's something inside of him that burns where he's always hearing everything and always trying to prove people wrong. But probably looking back, and this is you know through the prism of history and you know the benefit of hindsight, that we can look at that and say, you know what, Baker, probably been better for your career if you would have just sat down and you would have just you know sat out for probably the last ten games, or maybe you sit out seven or eight games and let that thing heal up as much as it could, and then try to make a run at it. If you wanted to go gut it out, and in doing so, he put really bad film out there, and because of that. I was talking to a lot of scouts and, you know, GMs and coaches at pro day guys who I know. And like, there's really not a trade market for him that I could kind of find. There wasn't anybody that would say, Hey, we'll give up a, even a third rounder for him. You know, most of it's like, Hey, fifth, sixth plus we want Cleveland to kind of eat at least half of his salary. So it's not a great situation. He wanted to be out of there based upon how untenable it became, but you know, I, I don't really see him landing anywhere. And I don't know, if there's you know really a possibility for him being a week one starter next year. You can follow Bobby on Twitter at bcarp3. Bobby, always appreciate it, man. Uh, always great chatting with you, and uh, have a great weekend. We'll catch up next week. Thanks. Well, it was a great week, gentlemen. You guys enjoy it. You're the man. Bobby Carpenter there. You can uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel and see all of the Carp's Corner editions, uh, his take on college and NFL headlines. Uh, speaking of NFL headlines, we'll hit those when we return. We'll pick up on Baker Mayfield. Jimmy Haslam discussed that 
uh, today, specifically about Baker on the Zoom press conference he had with Browns Media. We'll tell you what he had to say next on Outkick 360. Coming. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Now Brent Hubbs and Austin Price will join us from Knoxville with the Volcrest Report. Spring practice underway across the SEC and... What a difference a, a year makes on the approach to spring in Knoxville. We'll, we'll get their take on that. Plus, a uh, big commitment this past week for Josh Heupel. That's straight ahead. Uh, then we will preview the Sweet 16 matchups for this evening uh, that starts with Purdue and St. Peter's. Jimmy Haslam denies saying that the Browns needed, quote-unquote, an adult on the roster instead of Baker Mayfield. I, I suspect it's not him that said it. He said, contrary to what's out there in the press, we think highly of Baker and did not get down on him. I know there was a statement that we needed an adult in the room, and Baker thought that came from ownership. That's not true. Baker gave it everything he had while he was here. Nobody can question his effort this past year, and nobody can question the four years he gave to the city of Cleveland, and we wish him nothing but the best of luck. Well, it's a nice differentiation to say it did not come from ownership. But you can't deny that it came from someone. Someone's reporting that because someone in the organization said that to a reporter. I Those would, exact words. I would expect so. Now, and it seems but then to the, fit. The question then becomes how high ranking a person. Was it Stefanski that said it? Was it a star player on offense that said it about needing an adult in the room? That's just Jimmy Haslam saying it didn't come from me. Was it and an I assistant GM? Yeah, but it was Baker who inferred it came from ownership. That's why, he, that's why he answered it that way. He's saying it didn't come from us. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it, it didn't come from him. So Jimmy Haslam's saying, not us. Um, but someone said it. And for those that think that they are, are going to um, keep him around, they're not. They got but percent. It, but but uh, he's due $18 million. They're going to have to swallow 8 to 10 of that to unload him. Odds are. Unless some really favorable injury no, for the Browns have. They're going to have to pay a team to take him. Yeah. That's a pick and salary, probably. They're going to trade a second and Baker plus eight to ten million to somebody in exchange for a fourth. It's going to look like the Osweiler trade, kind of. Yeah, which which is weird because Baker Mayfield is far better than Brock Osweiler. I mean, that, that, to me, yeah. that, well, the that, Osweiler that is strange. Thing was all all about money. This one, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be weird. I mean, it, it's strange that we're we're seeing some quarterback movement, but yet no one's moving on Baker Mayfield, even for a year, even for the Teddy Bridgewater-type move that they did in Miami. Yeah, um, I think it's a $10 million backup for a team that has uh, a cheap starter and some insecurity I mean, about that, their main guy. At this point, that's what he, that's what he has to bank on. Um, but I'd give up Ar- a fifth Armando, for him. Armando said it right yesterday. I mean, the Trubisky – the Trubisky line of thinking where you, you're willing to even sit for a year and Rehabilitate. emerge as a top contender to be a starter next year. Yeah. People forget about you for a year, and all of a sudden you look great. And certainly, you know, you've got good shoulders. 
after you take eight snaps is what Trubisky did. Which or, kneel or, down snaps. Or, you, or you, maybe you don't look great, but you've, you, you're an option well, you to come great. in and compete. You look great in people's eyes. Or, yeah, yeah. I hate that. Absence makes the heart And maybe Baker Mayfield, and I saw the guys who played after him, so probably not, but Baker Mayfield may have done his team a favor not playing hurt last year, but again, his backups weren't very good. Uh, I hate, though, that now we're in a spot, and Bobby Carpenter hit on this, where he should have just not played. You get dinged up, you don't fight through it, because you're only going to hurt yourself. Because people aren't going to look back and say, oh, you played through injury if you had a bad year. You're only hurting your financial setup for the future, yeah. and, and part of me hates that because football's the ultimate team game, and usually we reward and we look fondly upon guys who fight through problems and injury. But at to the try time, it looked team. like he'd be their starter in his fifth year, and he'd be rewarded for the toughness. Will the State Farm commercials continue? Progressive. 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 See, they're, they're, See, they're so not well working on, on me because I don't know which company's which. I mean, no. They can't. Uh, Unless they had a great sense of humor, and Baker Mayfield does too, where they do something where he's packing up and leaving, and then you go to the new stadium, even if he's a backup. That's the way to do it. Or, or just have That's go- the way to make it funny. Like, and now we're having a, you know, a yard sale because I'm moving. And Deshaun Watson moves in. Or not moving, uh, uh, working for Progressive because you can't get a job in the NFL. That would also That's be That's the way to do it. Baker Mayfield also does have the sense of humor, and he likes the money, I'm sure, where he might agree to something like that. It. You know who else is getting a lot of ad space right now is Jimmy Garoppolo. In a lot of ads with him during Subway the Subway really Madden. likes Jimmy G. Uh, coming up, we head to Knoxville and a major, a major get in recruiting for the Vols that made national headlines this week. That's next on Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.